Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. I'm Steve Dodge. Today is, wow, it's Halloween. It is October 31st. Happy Halloween to everybody. Today we're going to have a, a pretty special show, I'd say. We're going to go over the 2018 awards. We're going to give out our golden putter. We're going to give out our player of the year. We're going to give out all of the awards. Uh, and then we're going to review what happened at Hole 15 at the Tour Championship. And then we're going to review what happened at Hole 15 of the Tour Championship with a special guest, which this week is Nate Sexton. That seemed appropriate to talk about what happened and maybe what we can do to prevent it in the future. The key is to grow going forward and always improve. And uh, I think this conversation will be about doing just that. We hope you enjoy. Buckle up. It's time for Pro Tour Talk. All right, everybody. It is time for the 2018 Disc Golf Pro Tour Awards Show. The next eight to ten minutes is going to be filled with fun facts and fantastic names. All of these players have earned awards during the 2018 Pro Tour. Well, except for the people that got the runner-up position. We will be running through the Player of the Year, the Rookie of the Year, the Golden Putter, the Sniper Award, the Scrambler, the Hail Mary, and we're even going to throw in a couple of special awards, the TD of the Year and the Pro Tour Staff of the Year. We're going to start it off big with the Hail Mary Award. We'll start with the women. Think about which FPO player you think had the most throw-ins. That's outside Circle 2 of the 2018 season. I'll give you a second. I'll give you a hint. There were two women who tied with four throw-ins each. The winner was determined by throw-in percentage. She had a slightly higher throw-in percentage. You got your ideas? Our runner-up for 2018 Hail Mary Award is Rebecca Cox. She had four throw-ins. And she was edged out just by the slimmest of percentages by Paige Bierkus who also had four throw-ins. Congratulations, Paige. You are our Hail Mary Award winner for 2018 on the women's side. On the men's side, we had somebody with nine throw-ins. Do you know who it is? I will tell you one thing. It was not Nate Perkins, because Nate Perkins was the runner-up for the Hail Mary Award. The Hail Mary Award recipient for 2018 on the men's side is Paul Macbeth with nine throw-ins. Well done, Paul. On to the Scrambler Award. On the women's side, this was amazingly tight. The runner-up had a 60%, the runner-up had a 67% scramble rate, and the champion had a 68% scramble rate. Do you know who they were on the women's side? On the women's side, the runner-up is Sarah Holcomb at 67%. And the winner of our 2018 Scrambler Award, Lisa Fakus, 
68%. With Lisa's putting and her fantastic short game, that is absolutely not hard to believe. Congratulations to Sarah Hokum on coming so close to claiming that, that prestigious award. On the men's side, 75% is good enough for second. 79% would take home the Scrambler Award. That is an amazingly high number. That is a great way to save par. Shooting 75% scramble rate, Nate Sexton is our runner-up for the 2018 Scrambler Award. And shooting 79%, heck, let's round it up to 80. Heck, let's round that up to 100. Shooting 100% scramble rate, Michael Johansson. Well done, Michael Joe. You are our 2018 Scrambler. That brings us to our Sniper Award. This is a straight-up edition of fairway percentage plus parked percentage. So the percentage of times that you hit the fairway plus the percentage of times that you were inside circle zero, inside a couple of meters. On the women's side, shooting 70% fairway and 11% parked for a total of 81%, Sarah Hokum, another runner-up. Sarah Hokum, runner-up for the Sniper Award on the women's side. And shooting 72% fairway and 15% parked, Paige Pierce, 87% total. She is our 2018 Sniper Award recipient. Congratulations, Paige. On the men's side, a very close battle. It, it came down to tenths of a percent, shooting 75% fairway and 17% parked, was Seppo Payu. And he was edged out by inches, potentially literally. Just one more disc gets inside circle zero, probably more like five, but Seppo Payu would top Nate Sexton in this. Oh, I just gave it away. Nate Sexton is our Sniper Award champion. 78% fairway, 15% parked. Think about that number, 15% parked. That's like one out of six and a half, one out of seven, maybe one, one out of 6.7 throws. He's getting inside circle zero. He's got a drop in less than one in every seven times. That's pretty powerful. You're going, to, uh, you're going to make up some strokes on basically everybody. Oh, actually, he did. That's why he's the sniper. So congratulations, Nate Sexton. You are our, our, our Sniper Award recipient. That brings us to what many would consider to be the most prestigious award from the 2018 tour, the Golden Putter. On the women's side shooting 86% in circle one and 14% in circle two for a combined percentage of 100, interestingly enough, and good enough for runner-up on the women's side was Paige Pierce, edging her out with a 91% in circle one and a 12% in circle two for a combined 103% is Lisa Fakus. Not a surprise. Lisa Fakus, our Scrambler of the Year, also our Golden Putter of the Year 
on the women's side. Congratulations, Lisa. It was a great season. On the men's side, I would go ahead and say that this is going to be a surprise. Get your guess engines ready. For runner-up, the runner-up might not be a surprise, but I think the winner of this will be. For runner-up, shooting 91% in circle one and 34% in circle two was James Conrad. A great showing by James. You are the runner-up for the 2018 Golden Putter Award. And if you have a set of drums, go ahead and insert your drum roll here. Our 2018 Golden Putter, shooting 92% in circle one and 34% in circle two, goes to Reed Frescura. You got that right. Reed showed up at three events during the regular season and carted a fourth and a seventh and something else. And then he came to the Tour Championship and easily made it into the into round two, shooting the course hot round, minus 10, actually tied Chris Dickerson that round. And then in the second round fell off. I think he was a minus three, and he was the, the first person out of the bubble to getting into the semifinals. But a great season all told. I expect Reed Frescura is a name we will hear lots more from in the coming seasons. All right. That brings us to potentially the two biggest awards we give out, Rookie of the Year and Player of the Year. Our Rookie of the Year on the women's side this year, I don't think there was any denying her, Paige Birkus. Congratulations, Paige. You had a fantastic, a fantastic season, and you topped it off with your world championship. It was great watching you battle in the FPO semifinals and earning your spot and theoretically knocking out Paige Pierce, the number one ranked player in the world. The rookie of the year on the men's side, again, I don't think there was any question about this, Kevin Jones coming onto the scene huge at the end of last year. This is his first year becoming a touring pro. Congratulations, Kevin. You are our 2018 rookie of the year. And on to our player of the year. Let's do the men first on this one. I don't think there was really any question. He played every pro tour event. He won the tour points championship by over a hundred, if my memory is correct. Congratulations to our 2018 player of the year, Paul Macbeth. And on the women's side, there was some significant drama. Paige Pierce came out of the gates and it looked like she was going to have the most dominant season in disc golf history. Uh, right up there with Ken Climo's 95 season and Paul McBeth's 2015 season. But then San Francisco happened and Sarah Hokum, not only did she card an ace that got on ESPN, she also won big. She finished up the season being the uh, actually passing Paige in the final event to be the 2018 Tour Points Champion. And at that point, it was a mixed bag as to who would be the player of the year on the women's side. Sarah Hokum, with her victory at the Tour Championship, sealed the deal and is our 2018 Player of the Year on the women's side. Congratulations, Sarah. You fought and you earned this one.
Well done. Our last two awards are internal. It's an, it's an internal way of saying thank you to all of the tournament directors and all of the amazing staff that helped make the season possible. We picked one, although it could almost be any of you, because you all did a fantastic job. Our tournament director of the year, congratulations to San Francisco's Sean Jack and Sean Mercy. You guys killed it and set a bar for the rest of us to elevate ourselves to. If you live anywhere near the Bay Area, you owe it to yourself to go watch the San Francisco Open. And finishing it up, our 2018 Pro Tour Staff of the Year. When we came to this event, we didn't know exactly what we were getting ourselves into. When I talked with the starter, and I talked with the spotters, and I talked with the staff coordinator and the scoring coordinator, every one of these guys and gals was and had been a tournament director of multiple events. When you have tournament directors spotting, you have a success, you have a recipe for success on your staff. And congratulations to our 2018 staff of the year, the Discraft Great Lakes Open. You guys did a fantastic job. A tip of the tuft to the crew at Waco and the crew at San Francisco, who were also fantastic. But in our estimation, you guys were edged out just by the skinniest of margins by the crew at the Discraft Great Lakes Open. So there we have it. Congratulations to everybody, and thank you to everybody. The 2018 season was fantastic. We look forward to 2019 being bigger and better. We would be remiss to discuss the entire season and all of the wonderful things that happened in it and not touch on hole 15 at the Tour Championship. Uh, we need to talk about what happened and the lessons that were learned and what we're going to do to make sure that this type of thing doesn't happen again. What Steve Hill said on PDGA Radio rings true to our perception of what happened. And Steve Hill said, quote, Obviously, looking at the video, Nate was pretty much out, but there was this small opportunity for him not to be because it wasn't specifically delineated in the caddy book. I think, I think Steve Hill nailed it right there. The rule was specified on the scorecard. It said very clearly that walls defined OB. We'll get more to uh, how, how clear perhaps that should have been stated. But walls define OB. And therefore, since the line is OB, the wall is OB, and therefore the disc was out of bounds. But this wasn't specifically mentioned in the caddy book or the virtual players meeting. And we need to have consistency across all of these mediums. While pretty much every one of the players, including Nate, said it seemed the disc was out. The lack of consistency between the scorecard, the caddy book, and the virtual player meeting left this sliver of doubt. The, the players did it basically right by playing it both ways with a provisional. Oh, uh, shout out to Robert Leonard. Uh, my 
interpretation of the provisional rule had never been as well clarified as he put it in the PDG radio podcast. So another tip of the tuft there. Um, Robert Leonard pointed out the players need to make a call and then the player may play a provisional if he disagrees with the call or wants to have an opportunity to discuss it afterwards with the tournament director. They, they did it right in playing it both ways, but the players needed to make a call before Nate played it both ways. So in, in theory, what would have happened is everybody would have agreed the disc was out and then Nate would have played his, his uh, third shot from the drop zone. And then additionally, Nate would have said, I want to play a provisional. And then he would have played the provisional. And then uh, I would have been called in uh, as it turns out, literally to make the ruling. And I, as the TD, was called in and and did make the ruling. And uh, and that was at that point that episode was resolved. Everyone recognized that this should be out. It became clear that we need to have consistency across T-Signs, Caddy Books and virtual players meetings at every Pro Tour event. This should just be standard. For the first three seasons of the tour, the T-Signs, the Caddy Books, and the virtual players meetings have all been created by each individual event. Additionally, each individual event has been responsible for putting down OB lines in whatever manner they traditionally do. Uh, Some places use the white stakes, like up at Smug's. Some places use rope, uh, like Ledgestone. Some places use a combination of natural walls, spectator walls, ponds, and hills. Uh, not hills. And ponds and such, like Maple Hill does. Uh, some places use sidewalks, like the Memorial. So there's a lot of different ways to define OB. And traditionally, the first three seasons, this has all been done um, by the events. However... However, they do it. Uh, Danielle and I have been working on uh, designing an improved process for every event moving forward. And uh, we will release more details about this in the coming weeks. We understand that the lack of detail in the caddy book, along with the assumption on our part that it was clear enough to call the wall itself out of bounds, created the uncertainty here. During, during such a big, important event, these professional athletes need to focus all of their attention on their play. They don't need to be worried about exactly where an OB line is. There absolutely should have been a line painted there. And in the future, there will be. We don't want a situation like this to happen again. We'll put these systems in place and in a small and potentially both fortunate and unfortunate way, I think that our sport will become more professional because of this incident. We're going to look back on this and say those first three seasons, there were some things that were inconsistent. But since then, everything has been spot on. The caddy books, the T-signs, the virtual player meetings have all used the exact same graphics, all had the exact same rules. And uh, I believe that this incident is going to make the professional level of our game better. 
Well, hello there, everybody. We have a special guest joining us today. Uh, Nate Sexton is on the line. Hello there, Nate. How are you today? Hello, everyone. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I, I'm doing very well. We are on opposite sides of the country from what I understand. What are you up to at this very moment, Nate? Uh, I'm in Portland, Oregon. My wife has a rotation here at one of the hospitals, so I am on dad duty, and currently I am pushing a stroller down the street. We're heading to the grocery store. We're going to buy some diapers and get a fruit smoothie, and then we're going to go to the park. That sounds like a fantastic day. Um, yeah, that's good. Our our goal for this conversation is to talk about Whole15 and uh, and see what can what positive can come out of it. But before we get there, um, I know what it took for you to get to the Tour Championship even before anything happened, and I'd love for uh, for people to get a sense of where you were mentally and physically even just coming into the tournament. Um, can you sure. share with us that that story? Yeah, sure. So it was it was a tough one for us. Uh, my wife and I is what I mean by that. Uh, we're trying to get the the season all scheduled out, and you know her career. She's in medical school. She's in her fourth year, so she took the year off with Coraline, and we were trying to kind of piece her schedule together, month off here, month on there. Um, now that the year off is over, so that she was able to kind of still come with up to the World Championships, and she was actually busy working during the USDGC, but. My dad and my stepmom flew out. My dad was caddying for me. My stepmom was helping with Coraline. So Tour Championship was the one we had kind of circled as like, I hope I can play it, but it's going to be tough. Just because she was starting this rotation here in Portland, Oregon, the Monday after the Tour Championship ended. So, you know, this she's been at it already one week. So... We weren't sure that was going to work because we, she was she was flying with Coraline across the country. I had the dog and the car and the RV. Uh, we weren't exactly sure. We're trying to sell the RV, but we weren't sure how quickly that was going to happen. So everything was kind of in flux. Uh, but, yeah, she flew. Uh, I, I was texting you saying I was going to have to drop out of the championship to start driving back. Uh, you were hoping I could make it. We were able to work it out. Uh, and my wife was super great in, in being flexible, and my parents as well coming up to Portland. My mom and my mother-in-law both came up and did a couple days with the baby. And then my dad ended up flying out to help me drive the RV back. So, man, it was it was pretty wild, but I was really glad to be able to get there. Unfortunately, couldn't practice at all. Came in pretty late Friday night and just uh, showed up for my round on Saturday. So I I know that you uh, you you just got maybe the front nine in the the morning of and uh, so you did yep. get a little bit of practice but uh, it took Bree and both moms and dad uh, to make all of that happen that was that's kind of a that's kind of a crazy there's so much so many logistics that uh, yeah. when you're on the T of hole one that people don't see in the background sure and uh, sure. That's where our sport is right now, and um, we are all continuing to work hard to make it bigger and better, so that this, so these logistics just just get easier to iron out, and hopefully yep. in the long run you'll you'll be able to get to the course days ahead of time and 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 do all <laughs> the proper prep work. Um, As I usually do, said, but this is one that uh, yeah, I, I usually that is that is a possibility, but. And it's not no slight to the Pro Tour Championship that that was the one that I ended up having to come in with no practice. It was just kind of a 
scheduling nightmare, but I'm so glad we were able to work it out. I am, I am as well, and uh, and I'll go ahead and say that, that you had ended up having 3,000 reasons to be happy about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and move, moving on to the event in its in and of itself, I'm guessing on Saturday with no practice, you didn't have a lot of expectations going into that first round. No, I, I didn't really. I uh, I was honestly a big part of me was kind of like, yeah, you get a thousand dollars for showing up. I'm doing that, and then I can get my drive started. Is <laughs> kind of what I was thinking. Like, you know, I'm going to play. Obviously, I'm not coming to just not try, but uh, I'm going to give my all. But I, you know, up against Eagle, Johnny McRae, uh I'm forgetting the oh Seppo, I think in my yep. in my group. Um, they had been playing well. I didn't feel that I, I felt like I wanted to try hard, but I felt not as not very motivated in the in that you know I was sort of giving myself an excuse saying oh you didn't practice and I knew I had such a long drive coming up. The part of me was like thousand dollars would be great, good season, put a cap on it and uh, get in the car and just start driving forever. <laughs> so it's interesting because. When I think about your game, and please don't take this negatively, uh, I think about uh, conservative, uh, play within myself, uh, hit the putts when they're available, uh, but don't be overly aggressive. Would would you say that categorizes your game pretty effectively? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm aggressive in my where my game allows me to be. Uh, so there's certainly spots where I'm the most aggressive guy on the tee uh, on certain holes where it's a good roller line or something. That's that part of my game that I trust. But, yeah, in general, uh, I'm going to play play for birdie almost every hole, but try to do it in a way that uh, really keeps out of bounds to a minimum. Uh, exactly. I would, I would categorize your scorecard as having the least orange um, and not the most blue. Uh, probably the yeah, most white, I guess, is what I would say. It's 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 going to be a straight across. Uh, you, you know what you're going to get. And the interesting thing to me about the Tour Championship is it does not play to that game plan very well. Uh, you some if someone has a hot round, you are eliminated. Um, yes, because sure. your your standard standard deviation is much tighter than, for example, Eagles uh, or Seppos. Yeah. Yes, you're right about so, that. You managed to get by with a I, – I think you shot a six or a seven on Saturday. A six, yes, a six. And you had a couple of strokes coming down, so I think you uh, played – I'm guessing, I think you played extra cautious. Uh, my guess is you probably, if you pushed, could have gotten up to nine or ten, but that would have also brought four or five into play. Yeah, I, I had a two or three shot lead with like two or with like three to play. Maybe is when I noticed that I was basically, you know, nothing's really, you know, we're going to talk more about the island. But anytime there's an island yeah. hole, I don't really try to game plan beyond that. You know, you just got to focus your energy on making that island because that's a, such an easy two stroke swing. And then once I got through that, made my birdie, then I kind of took a look and was like, okay, yeah, I pretty much have this. I don't really see how these guys are going to come back on me. And then I actually even yeah. missed about a 15-footer on 18, not on purpose, but I think it's just one of those things where when you don't have to make it, sometimes you just don't. <laughs> it, sometimes it's hard to concentrate when it really doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So uh, 
we'll get to hole 15, I promise, in just a minute. But I want to go into your mindset on hole on Sunday. Um, yeah. Did you think to yourself, I need to be aggressive? Or did you think to yourself, just, just play your game, get your get your four to six down and see where it, see where it shakes out? I uh, Initially, early on, I thought you definitely have to be aggressive. Dickerson especially has been killing it. He's just the best players in the world playing well. And then coming down the stretch, I thought, you idiot, you blew it. If you would have played safe, you would have won this so easy. Interesting. Um, I, You know, I, I suspect that everybody on that card, and I, I look at uh, Ricky Wysocki's drive on hole eight, that because he went for it on his next shot basically cost him four strokes. And yeah. I'm sure that everybody has – one throw that they say if I had you know did that differently Kevin Jones on 14 if, if I did that one throw differently I'm the tour champ definitely and that's you know that's how it is in the wind great players a lot of out of bounds tough course clearly you never know what uh what could happen next but um I like I like whole six to me was pivotal like I, I threw a decent drive and I was like okay I'm gonna go for the roller that's not my normal play but I'm going to try to birdie this hole. And then I got a seven. And, you know, it, it was like, it's an easy par if I if that's what I want. I could just play forehand, 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 and even have about a 50-footer for birdie. But I was trying to press a little and get myself up there to where I could have a five-footer for birdie, and that one backfired on me. Yeah. And uh, and I'll go ahead and say that that's the beauty of that format is that, in my opinion, when I'm watching, I want to see the best players in the world press. I want to see them test their skills, oh, yeah. and and uh, and that's that's going to create the the very high highs and the very low lows, and uh, and we saw all of that from basically everybody. It was uh, it was a yeah. tremendous round to watch. Um, yeah. So it was let's fun move to on too. to go ahead. I just said it was fun to play in too. From our end, we had a good time. I'm I'm very glad to hear that. Um, I I know that it, I've heard from many touring pros that it puts you in a very different mindset, and uh, and that is in some ways a positive and in some ways a negative. But uh, new experiences are, in my opinion, all, always a plus. Yeah, I, I I like it. I think I'm not sure yet if if. Uh... I remember there was some talk. I don't do the ratings count or not. I would continue to advocate that the ratings should not count. Uh, but but the because uh, it it really does. It's a different format. You're not really playing uh, like you normally would. But I like that. Uh, absolutely. I think I think there was some discussion of the ratings potentially counting in the first two rounds, but not in the last okay. two rounds. So well, uh, I have no to verify that with Chuck. That's exactly right. That's what the top eight does for you. Tour points matter. Um, so moving on to hole 15, uh, I don't want to bother talking about the situation. I want to talk about sure. the hole and the lack of sure. the OB line and the confusion and then have a positive outcome, hopefully, if we can develop one. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, if you, I mean, go uh, ahead. You, you, start, you set it up. So on hole 15, it's an island hole surrounded by railroad a railroad tie wall. Uh, there yeah. is a there is a gap in the back right from the tee uh, where the lawnmower goes in. Uh, that railroad tie was removed uh, 
I found out afterwards, months before the tournament, um, yep. which gave us pl- they gave us plenty of time to paint a line. Um, none, none of the time was taken to do that, and that's a, a significant oversight by myself. So I'll, I'll go ahead and fall on that sword right away. But um, ho- hopefully, the lack of a line there, um, while while not changing the direct outcome of the match, because I think the, the correct call was made before anybody teed off, uh, yeah. will in fact have a have a positive outcome. Uh, based on this and other conversations, so yeah, uh, that's that's the situation as I see it, and uh, and I'd yeah. love to hear hear your take, and then we can we can go along. Sure, yeah, I agree with everything you said there. I think for me, the the line painting thing super obvious that 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 should have been done. I think the more subtle, it's not even that subtle, but the lesson that we can take from it is you just don't need a gap. A gap in an island hole when you're when you're talking about two percent of an otherwise surrounded island green, I think it just invites a bad taste in people's mouths because it just is a fluky result when you do happen to squeeze through that one gap. So that that would be my number one takeaway is that a gap in an island hole, unless it's something like 17 USDGC where you've got the whole back of the green and that's a design feature. Where this gap is not a design feature, it's just an ease of maintenance thing. So I think that is something that we can take away and say, you know, if a gap should be purposeful. If there's going to be a gap, it needs to be strategic, not just a random happenstance. Oh, you happen to roll near that one spot that cost you. Because if, if there's a railroad tie there, there's no way my disc's out of bounds. Uh, that's that's absolutely correct. And the key word that I just heard you say was fluky. Um, when uh, Maple Hill is currently regarded as a very good course, um, and one of the reasons, I think, is because even though it's through the woods, we have done a, a very good job of minimizing fluky. And uh, yeah. I remember after the first, after our first event in 2004, uh, Cam Todd spent a couple of days with us and walked the course. And uh, on, nice. on hole on hole three, you know hole three, the uh, S shot into the woods. Yes. Um, I had uh, we had we had a couple of trees literally in the middle of the fairway, and Cam said those have to go. And I was a, a young, inexperienced designer, and I said, "Wait, what are you talking about? Those are great! Like you have to miss those." And he's like, "That's that's your fairway. That's exactly where you're aiming. If you hit it or yeah. you don't, it's just it's a matter of luck." And the concept, and he went through the whole course, and you know, half the holes had fluky things on them. And uh, over yeah. time, we fixed all, all of those. And this is exactly that same thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, that would be that would be the thing that I hope. Number one, you know, it's two things that that are get that are learned from this situation. I think is that, you know, everybody knows that you should be doing a last second course check, but I can, it's totally easy to be complacent there and mistakes get made, and hopefully this can just kind of be a little wake-up call to all of our players and our staff to be a little bit more vigilant. Because I saw that gap, and it just didn't really occur to me to say, that's not a good thing to have. And I and I should speak up in those situations as a, as a player and a kind of a leader among the players in the game. I should take that upon myself. to see, If I see a course design element that I don't agree with, I should at least open that conversation in case there was an oversight. 
Absolutely. And uh, in, in this case, if you had mentioned that, the one thing that would have happened is let's go paint a line. Uh, yep. Because the the course was, in fact, designed with that gap there. Uh, I, we can both question whether or not that's a good design, and I think we've both said yeah. going forward there should not be things fluky like that. But that was yeah. that was the way that was designed uh, for whatever reason. And in this case, it was just a, a simple maintenance reason. Um, but so the, if, if you had brought that up, the one thing that would have occurred was a line would have been painted and a yeah. lot of drama would have been avoided. But yeah, the other thing that would have come up is you and I would have had a conversation that fell out from that about Fluky. And we yeah. probably would have got to this same point but uh, we would have done it privately. Um, yep. And uh, Danielle and I have been talking a lot in the last uh, week and a half about processes and about ways to make sure that that people take direct ownership of making sure this type of thing doesn't happen. And uh, talking yeah. about having checklists and going over each hole one by one, looking at the caddy book, making sure everything makes sense. And then signing yeah. your name, and uh, and her her thought is actually to give that to all of the players and say, yeah, so we went through the course. This is what our thoughts are. If you have any thoughts, please let us know. And and actually encourage the dialogue that you wondered whether or not sh you should do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think you know the other the other thing that was clearly evident uh with this scenario was that the caddy book and the virtual players meeting were not really accurate or they weren't all agreeing with each other like i watched the virtual players meeting and there's no mention of a mandatory there's no the t the caddy book says re t if you miss the island when there's actually a drop zone the the line is the wall which i would love to be more specific cuz with regard to like outside edge or inside edge it's just that kind of stuff that that can all be cleaned up, and I think that that's all that's all on your guys' uh, priority list now, which I which I love, and that I think that's going to be a positive going forward in the seasons to come. That uh, as I as I said in the intro piece, um, the OB being consistently marked is one thing that we are going to attempt to do, and my guess is it will it will take time, maybe a, a year or two, and then all of the OBs will be marked consistently across all pro tour events and hopefully we'll yeah. just set the best standards and that will just trickle down to you know everybody's B and C tier events and it'll just become common knowledge okay this is how you mark OB in a disc golf event so yeah i think that's that's totally possible and yeah that's so that's the goal on that front and it's we we agree entirely um that this happening was a bad thing and that a lot of times when you make mistakes that's the best time to learn because you're 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 uh you're motivated to not have that happen again. Yes, absolutely. Uh Nate, do you have any uh any last takes before we uh let you and Coraline get to the grocery store? Any what? Any any last thoughts, any last takes? Oh, oh, uh yeah, sure. I would I would just like to say a thank you to you. Uh, and the pro tour just for, uh, you know, it was a tense situation. I had a lot of phone calls as I was driving six hours that night after that situation happened. I was pretty angry. But uh, I, I felt like you guys handled it, you know, very calmly. I was I really appreciated being able to have the conversations that I had with you about 
what exactly the line was and and everything just so that so that I could uh rest a little easier that night and uh I would just say you know I posted this online but I just want to say with 100% clarity that I don't feel like I got like screwed over or that I got anything stolen from me I just feel like Chris played great he won I needed to throw a better shot and hopefully in the future there won't be gaps in island holes and, and nobody, including me, will have that situation happen again. Uh, I, th- I think that's a great last word on this subject. Um, thank, thank you very much, Nate, and, uh, and enjoy your off-season. You, you've earned it, and, uh, and have fun being a dad for a while. That I will do. So a huge shout-out to Nate. Thank you very much. Always great to have a conversation with Nate, especially when that conversation has a lot of positive outcomes. Also, congratulations to all of our award recipients. You guys earned all those awards. Thanks to you, Disc. We know it. Next week, we will have a conversation with Charlie Eisenhood of Ulti World. We will discuss Disc Golf Media, Ultimate Media, and the advantages and disadvantages of covering each of these respective sports in both print and video. So, get excited for next week. Until then, go practice your putts. Good night, everybody. This has been Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. If you like what we're doing, go ahead and give us a review. Go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and tell a friend about it. Let's spread the word about disc golf. Thank you all very much. Have a great night. Yeah! Yeah!